As you're coming in, please find your seats. And uh, we're just going to open in prayer in just a moment, and we'll get started. Some things organized here. All right. All right, are we live back there? All right, welcome to our Adult Bible Fellowship uh, this morning. We're so glad that, that you're here. If you're watching this online as well, uh, we're going to talk about this topic of brokenness and um, get into that in just a moment. But before we do that, I'd like to uh, open in a word of prayer. Ask the Lord to bless our time. Father, we thank you so much for what already has happened here this morning as we consider the greatness and the holiness and the wonder of God. And Lord, now as we look at this important uh, heart attitude of brokenness, Lord, I pray that your word would speak to us. Help it to speak to each one of us individually and specifically, Lord, in the ways that you want to see brokenness in our lives. And we give you the praise and glory for that, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So, as pastors mentioned, um, we're going to be talking about this theme of brokenness and how it relates to revival and spiritual awakening. There is a bookmark for you. It's actually a copy of a bookmark uh, that we intended to have to hand out, but we have the copy. So Larry has those. If you did not pick up one of these uh, bookmarks on your way in, please just raise your hand up and Larry will bring one to you. We'll get to that later in, in the lesson. But I wanted to talk about this theme from Scripture that God just keeps putting in front of me and is just impressing upon my heart, and that is the biblical concept of brokenness. I believe that brokenness is how revival, how spiritual awakening begins. I don't think that we can be revived. I don't think that we can be awakened spiritually unless our hearts are broken, and I want to encourage you and show you that from God's word this morning. So my question as I begin today, just like I began with the men at the men's breakfast are you broken? Are you a broken person? Are you broken before God? I'm not talking about your uh, car breaking down or something in your home, an appliance or something. I'm talking about the kind of brokenness that the Bible calls us into. God is calling you and I into brokenness. And the question we need to ask is, am I broken? Uh, maybe you haven't given this a lot of thought. Maybe that's kind of a new word. It's not been on your radar. You haven't thought about it, and that's okay. I think the best way to understand this kind of brokenness is what it is not. The brokenness we're talking about is the absence, the total absence of pride. You cannot be broken before God and have any bit of pride in you. You cannot be broken and proud in the same way and at the same time. They're diametrically opposed. They're opposite truths. We do have a brokenness in us that God is trying to fix. That is the brokenness of sin. We read about this in Genesis 3 when Adam sinned and Eve sinned as well. And they, they broke God's command, his one rule, his one command in the garden was to not eat of the tree, and they ate the forbidden fruit, and they brought sin, and they brought brokenness into creation. And Romans tells us that, that the 
creation has been groaning and travailing ever since that time. That is the brokenness God has been trying to fix and is fixing, not trying, is fixing. The whole story arc of the scriptures from Genesis 3.15 all the way to the end of Revelation is God's redemptive plan to fix the brokenness of sin. But in the irony of our God, he uses our biblical brokenness to fix the brokenness of our sin. And that's what we intend to look at this morning. God wants to see men and women broken before him. It's what he calls us to. And I will ask you again, as we've described it for you, for you this morning, based on what we've just discovered, are you broken before God? It seems unnatural in our human instinct because we do one of two things with, when something breaks. We either fix it or we throw it away. But God, in his amazing plan, cho- chooses to only use broken things, broken people, broken hearts. So are you broken before God? To be broken is not to despair, but to hope. It's not to give up, but to fully persevere. Brokenness forsakes all claims of prestige and pride, yet it stands resolute and regal in the majesty of God. Brokenness, a broken person, takes refuge in God instead of in themselves. A broken person abandons all appearance of human wisdom and throws himself into the father's arms as a little child would do. Brokenness is a choice. Brokenness is a lifestyle as we live it out and it comes out of a heart condition. Brokenness is surrender so that Jesus' life might be experienced through your broken life. Brokenness finds it most advantageous to fall on the sword rather than to wield one. Brokenness is quick to race to the foot of the cross rather than crucify his enemy on one. And brokenness loves the offender even when it hurts deeply to do so. Brokenness refuses the strength of self in order to be filled with the power of the Spirit. The Spirit indwells the believer, but he will not fill us if we have pride present, if we remain unbroken before him. The Spirit is quenched. We don't experience that powerful filling. We will see from Scripture more about that and more about what brokenness means. And I can tell you this morning from Scripture what God says brokenness means, but I cannot tell you what that looks like in your life. That will be between you and God. 
I love how our God deals with us each as individuals. Because the areas of your life, those pockets of resistance to God's spirit, to brokenness, are going to be different from one person to the next. And God works with us individually. So I can tell you what brokenness means from the word, but I cannot tell you what it looks like in your life. And I want to ask you this morning, would you please begin to pray right now, even in your mind as, you're, as we're listening to this, God, will you please show me where I need to be broken? Let him show you. He's the only one that can. God keeps bringing me back to a specific chapter in the book of Psalms, Psalm 51. And of course, if you've read your Bible and you you understand the context here, this is the psalm of confession. It's David's psalm of repentance after Nathan the prophet comes to him and boldly says, you are the man, David. You are the one that committed adultery and you are the one that then committed murder to cover the adultery. And David lives for about a whole year as if nothing wrong has happened and yet God is not done and he sends his prophet Nathan to point it, point it out. We need to be confronted with our sin if we are to be broken. We need a Nathan in our lives to point this out. We all need someone who's willing, who we've given permission to ask hard questions and to whom we can be accountable. Who is your Nathan? I used to think of Psalm 51 like it was one of those emergency psalms. You know, like when you're walking through a building, there's the little glass encased compartment, and it says, in case of emergency, do what? Break the glass. That's how I've almost always looked at Psalm 51. It's an emergency psalm. When things get really bad and I really blow it, then I'll go to Psalm 51. I just kind of skip over it and go to other psalms that make me feel better about myself. Although, if we really are honest, God's word is going to speak to us and pierce us no matter what chapter we read. But Psalm 51 especially was one that I felt was an emergency psalm, but that's not what I've been learning. I believe Psalm 51 is actually an everyday psalm or at least a regular basis psalm that we need to go to and hear and listen to what God has to say. We might say, well, I haven't committed adultery like David, but Jesus said to look with lust is heart adultery. Who among us can say they've never lusted? Say, well, I've never murdered anyone then. That's hopefully true, and I'm glad. But Jesus also said to hate our brother and sister is murder in the heart. And if we're honest, we've had those moments sometimes that stretch into days and years where bitterness becomes hatred. So I'm going to read Psalm 51 in its entirety without stopping And you can follow along. 
But what I'd really like you to do as we do this is to let the message, let the words do their work. Let the sword of the spirit penetrate your heart. Let the blade be plunged deep into your soul. Let it cut you the way only the word can cut you this morning and ask God to reveal what it is that only he can reveal. Psalm 51, starting in verse 1. David cries out, and we should cry out with him, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me against you, You only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part you make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer bulls on your altar. So Psalm 51, 17 is our theme verse this morning. God desires a broken spirit. He's looking for broken and contrite hearts. If we want God to do a work of spiritual awakening in us, we must come before him broken. He doesn't want our sacrifices. He's not interested in our religious activities if our hearts are not broken. Coming to church and even being involved in church and ministry and, and all of that, even, even evangelism and all of these things, discipleship, are wonderful things, but they don't please a God if we do them 
with a proud, unbroken heart. So again, I'll ask all of us, are you broken? Are you broken before God? I'd like to share some of my story with you. I want to explain to you. God refused to deal with me until I began to be broken. I don't, I don't know that brokenness is a one-time event. In fact, I know it isn't. It's a lifelong process of God, Spirit working and finding those pockets of resistance in our hearts and dealing with them. And keep, He keeps bringing them up to us and asking us to surrender. And we go through the cycle again and He keeps bringing them up to the surface like that silver that's refined and heated in the crucible of the trials of life. And he brings up the impurities and wants them gone. I was born into a Christian home, and I'm forever thankful for that. A pastor's home, no less. Uh, My dad was uh, served as a pastor right out of Bible college, And he was serving for a time. Both my parents were born and raised in Ohio. And so he was serving somewhere in that region, Midwest region, at a church. And things were changing at the church. And the senior pastor was changing. And it looked like it was an opportunity or it needed to make a change there. And so he started looking around for another church. And they were given a chance to candidate at a church up in southern Ontario, Canada. And so took a step of faith, my mother and him, and they went up there, and sure enough, they were called. They were hired on by that church as an assistant pastor. And after serving there for some time, there was a big push at this time, and I don't know if it was also in the States, but in the, in the area churches there in that region to do church planting work. And so pastors that were serving at a local church would feel this call of God and they would go into a region without a church and they would open up Bible studies and things in their home and begin the process of planting a new church. And um, the church where they were serving would act as their sending church and they would go and have the support. And, and so there were several men going out into areas where no churches existed. They were planting new churches. And at that time, my dad felt that's what he was called to do. So off they went. And so they would go around and visit homes and evangelize and invite people to their church. And I have some photos to share. This is their congregation, the beginnings of it. The red building behind them that says Grace Baptist Church, that was their church, is actually our converted two-car garage. That was the auditorium in there. And I can remember that. I can remember the chairs, I think a piano in there. Dad was also interested in reaching out, like we're doing, I think in a sense. He would hold these tent revivals in the fields outside the home. It was a rural area, not much different than this part of Wisconsin. A lot of farmers' fields, and so there was this big field, and so he held this tent revival that's him preaching there in the tent. If you know anything about church planting ministry, there's no money in it. Uh, There's no support. They're not hiring 
pastors. And so dad had to find secular work and ended up in sales. And he was a great salesman. Uh, if you could have known him, uh, he had a personality that uh, didn't ever meet a stranger. He's always life of the party kind of a guy, very musically gifted, um, very much personable. And um, so the sales job was going well, but unfortunately, he met someone there. He met a woman that started as a friend, but gradually over time ended up, sadly, in an adulterous relationship. And I won't go through all the details, but I'll say this, that he chose at that time to walk away from the ministry to walk away from his family and to pursue this relationship. A couple of years ago, as I became more more and more seriously interested in ministry, I knew that dad had some books in his library like most pastors have. And I found out from my mom that a friend of the family there in Canada had purchased those books from my mom after dad was gone uh, to help Financially, I think she did it that way, but also because she was a, uh, a student of the word and wanted those. And so a couple of years ago, I contacted her and asked for them and, um, or if she had any left or I was, I was willing to buy them. I just thought that would be um, sentimental and whatnot to have those. Well, she did have three left and I found out she had been giving them to other young men that were going off into ministry, and I was so pleased by that, actually, because um, to say that dad had a legacy is is not really true in that what he chose, but at least his books went to some good use. And so I received those three, and I'm glad to have them. Well, a couple of weeks, probably now about three weeks ago, three or four, I got a text from her saying that she had found something else of my dad, she's still looking for the books, but she said, I haven't found any more of those, but I did find something that fell out of a file folder when I was looking for something else, and so I decided that you should have it. I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll appreciate the sentimental value and something from your dad. I'm not gonna tell you what it is. I'm gonna send it to you from Canada, and you'll have to wait till it gets there to know what it is. I think I wanna surprise you with it. So I was thinking, this is going to be like a photograph or like a document or something with his name on it or who knows. Well, that's not what came. After I opened up several layers of bubble wrap and things, this is what was in the, this is what was in the package. Reverend Ray Steele, assistant pastor. And I show this and I tell this to show that Dad had everything he wanted, ministry-wise and family-wise. He had a loving wife. He had two sons by this time. We were, my brother and I is 18 months younger than I. We're both born in, in that house that I showed you the picture of. Two sons that adored their dad, a loving wife. Every ministry goal, or at least many of them, God had fulfilled. God had blessed him, blessed his ministry. He went to school to do this. He was fulfilling his career choice. Many people don't get to do that. God was blessing, but it wasn't enough. And I can tell you today that I know 
One reason, and I think possibly the biggest reason it wasn't enough, was because dad was not broken. He thought he could play both sides. He thought he could have his cake and eat it too, as the saying goes. He had his name on the door. This is from one of the churches he served at. Everything he wanted, but pride was his downfall. I'm sad to tell you that as far as I know, he never returned to the Lord. I know he didn't return to the ministry, and he did not return to our family. Dad passed away in 2014. I was able to be at his funeral, which was surreal. I was able to stand up and give the gospel at his funeral, which was also surreal. But if you fast forward from that time when he left, I was about five, between five and six. Consequently, that's the same year that I put my faith in Christ, became a believer. So I lost my earthly father but gained my heavenly father. But if you fast forward to junior high and, and, and going into my high school years, and I would have never admitted this, but I began to follow in my dad's footsteps. I began to become enamored with this world. I distinctly remember thinking this. I want to try everything this world has to offer because everyone seems to be having such a great time, and I'm not. And I'm, I'm glad I didn't check every box, but I checked a lot of them, too many. And I know that because I ended up jobless, penniless, friendless. I had burned every bridge with every family member, every friend. I had no car. I was hiding from the man I rented this little room from so I wouldn't get kicked out because I couldn't pay rent. And if you would have seen me then, scrawny and strung out, you would have said, that man needs Jesus. And I did need Jesus. I had him as my Savior, but I surely wasn't following him. But God used that time to break me, and he's been breaking me ever since. I had a lot, long way to go. I'm so thankful he sent a family member, an aunt and uncle, who happened to live in Wisconsin. I was in Ohio at the time to bring me up here, and it was a you know one-strike rule. Man, you're on probation. You blow this, you're out. Well, here I was in Wisconsin. I didn't know anybody else. <laughs> I had no choice. I had, to do, I had to do it right. I had to get it right. One of the rules of living in their home was they, uh, they attended church, a good Bible-believing church, and I had to go with them if I was going to live there. I'm so glad that that was part of the arrangement because God used that time to bring me back to himself. And he's, I still have a long way to go. I still have a lot, a lot to learn. But I know that brokenness is key. I want to look at some other scriptures to bring more understanding to this principle of brokenness. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and saves such as have a contrite 
spirit. Psalm 147 verse 3 says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Are you hurting, bleeding, damaged, wounded? Be broken before God and allow him to heal you. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 57 verse 15 says, for thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Is there deadness in your life? Is there pockets of resistance in your heart that have refused for God to break? Be broken before God and watch him work. Watch him revive you. You don't revive yourself. God does it. And he does it when we are humble and contrite before him. Finally, in the New Testament, in Matthew 21, it says, whoever falls on this stone will be broken. This stone in this verse is none other than Jesus Christ. Have you fallen on the stone of Christ? Because the other option is the second part of the verse but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. There is a judgment coming. Do you know this morning where you will spend eternity? If you were in the morning service, gospel was clearly shared. But I'll ask it again. Have you put your faith and trust in Christ? Have you fallen on the rock, on the stone of Christ, broken and open for him? Hopefully you all received um, a bookmark. The, the ones you have are paper copies. We have some cardstock ones coming. But we got permission to copy these because we didn't have enough for everybody well, since we uh, have ordered the others. And what this is is a, a bookmark. It's your gift, and hopefully, like I said, the other ones will come in the coming days. But there's two lists. There's two columns here. On the left, you have a description of a proud person and on the right, a broken person. So I'm going to read through these. I'd like you to read them with me. And allow this list to speak to you. Maybe one of these or more will touch your heart. And you'll be able to identify yourself in one of these descriptions after the men's breakfast, a couple of the guys came up and said, I've got mine, I've, or maybe it was the next week, said, I've already highlighted mine, but the ones that God is speaking to me about. So let your heart be touched. Let God speak. As we go through these. A proud person focuses on the failures of others while a broken person is overwhelmed with a sense of their own. <clears throat> <coughs> excuse me, their own <clears throat> spiritual need. A proud person is critical, has a fault-finding spirit. They look at everyone else's faults with a microscope, but their own with a telescope. But a broken person is compassionate. They can forgive much 
because they know how much they have been forgiven. A proud person is self-righteous. They look down on others while a broken person esteems all others better than themselves. A proud person is independent, has a self-sufficient spirit, while a broken person is dependent, has a dependent spirit, recognizes their need for others. A proud person has to prove that they are right, while a broken one is willing to yield the right to be right. Proud people claim their rights. They have a demanding spirit, while broken people yield their rights, have a meek spirit. Proud people are self-protective of their time, their rights, and their reputation, while a broken person is simply self-denying. Proud people desire to be served by others, but broken people are motivated to serve others. Proud people desire to be a success, Yet broken people are motivated to be faithful, which is God's measurement of success, and to make others a success. Proud people desire self-advancement, while broken people desire to promote others. A proud person has has a drive to be recognized and appreciated, but broken people have a sense of their own unworthiness. They're thrilled that God would use them at all. Proud people are wounded when others are promoted and they are overlooked, while broken people are eager for others to get the credit. They rejoice when others are lifted up. A proud person has this subconscious feeling. This ministry or church is privileged to have me and my gifts. They think of what they can do for God, while a broken person's hard attitude is, I don't deserve to have a part in any ministry. They know that they have nothing to offer God except the life of Jesus flowing through their broken lives. A proud person feels confident in how much they know, while a broken person is humbled by how very much they have to learn. On the other side there, proud people are self-conscious, but broken people are not concerned with self at all. Proud people keep others at arm's length But broken people are willing to risk getting close to others and to take the risks of loving intimately. Proud people are quick to blame others while broken people accept personal responsibility and can see where they are wrong in in a situation. They remove the log from their eye. A proud person is unapproachable or defensive when criticized, but broken people receive criticism with a humble, open spirit. Proud people are concerned with being respectable and what others think. They work to protect their own image and reputation, while broken people are simply concerned with being real. What matters to them is not what others think, but what God knows. They're willing to die to their own reputation. Proud people find it difficult to share their spiritual need with others, while broken people are willing to be open and transparent with others as God directs. I'm going to let you finish reading those on your own. I'm going to ask the guys to come that are going to play for us. We're going to do something different for ABF time. We did this at the men's breakfast. In the closing moments here, the men are going to play some instrumentals. They're going to play their guitars. And I would like to ask you this morning, 
to just take a moment, kind of like what we did in the other service this morning, and just have a time of heads bowed and eyes closed and just commune with your God this morning. Ask him that question, Lord, am I broken? And what part of my life are you telling me this morning that needs to be broken? And God, would you please break me? Would you please drive out the pride and let me stand and and bow even before you as a broken child of God this morning? So let's do that. Would Would you please just close your eyes as the guys play? Everyone just close your eyes. Bow your heads just for the last couple of moments here. Take some time to pray and talk to the Lord. And when we're done, I'll close in prayer and we'll be dismissed. Mm-hmm.